0: We were sitting around a table and we were all holding hands and my father was praying for the lunch that we were about to eat. But there was only one problem. (laughs) Our table was empty. My earliest recollections is finding myself at the age of five, roaming the streets, eating from dumpsters. We were not able to have food at all.
1: We were forced to live with 17 of our other relatives in a very small shanty. No toilets. A lot of crime. No
0: running water. Rape for children. If you want to be out of poverty, then you have to deal with drugs.
1: Some of my friends were actually sold into prostitution. Kids
0: dying for preventable causes. And as darkness engulfs the place, the devil takes over.
1: One morning, I just woke up that, you know, my uncle is just touching me in some parts of my body that I just thought to myself that this can't be happening.
0: One day, my father was murdered right next to my mother, and I knew that moment that my life had changed. I watched as my 10-month-old sister died in the laps of my mother out of starvation.
1: My relatives would always tell me, Michelle, you are so ugly, you will become nothing but a thief and a drug addict when you grow up. And those were the words that I heard from people whom I expected to love and take care of me.
0: Poverty had told me I am hopeless, I am nothing, and I believed that. But right in the middle of this desperation, it was then that compassion intervened.
1: One Sunday morning, my Aunt Carol, she's the only Christian person that I know during that time, she woke me up and said that we have to go to this church, and she registered me.
0: What joy and dancing came to my home at the news that I'd finally got a sponsor. I received my first letter. We wrote back and forth. And he told me, you are my first friend outside my country. She said, words like, Richmond, I love you. And that lightened me up.
1: My sponsor told me, Michelle, you are beautiful, you are precious to us, and we love you. And the words touched the very depth of my heart and soul.
0: 18 years later, here I am, a child rescued from hopelessness by a young person.
1: My life was
0: changed. My life was changed. My life was changed. By a teenager who sponsored me. One teenager changed my life. She was 15 years old. Her name is Ashley. Her name was Heather. I called her mom.
1: My name is Michelle. My
0: name is Tony. My name is Jimmy. My name is Richmond. And one act saved my life. And one act
1: saved my life.
0: Saved my life. Will you act? The choice is yours.
1: Conserve a child through compassion today. Release a child from poverty.
0: From poverty. In,
1: Jesus In Jesus'
0: name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.
2: Good morning, Hope Chapel. Thank you, thank you. I've watched this video countless times. Every time I go out and speak for compassion, I, I play this video. But every time, every single time that I watch this video, it does something right in here. Because you know why? This is not a made-up video. It's the story of my life. It's the story of their lives. What you just watched, what you just saw, is real to them. It was real to me. It's actually happening to people right now as we sit here. And that's why I'm excited to be here this morning. I thank you, Pastor Carl, for having me here. Uh, it's a blessing to be among God's people, people who, who love God and who are willing to listen to God's word and, and willing to, uh, to respond to what God is calling them to do. I've been here since Friday, and I had the opportunity uh, to speak Friday night and yesterday i got to uh spend time with mike he took me around the island what a beautiful place that you guys live in i i enjoy it i wish i was i had more time to spend here and i wish that my wife was able to come uh, with me this time but um what i did yesterday i took enough pictures to make her jealous enough so that she'll want to come so i'll have to work on that when i when i get home but uh it's exciting i'm excited to be here and uh I thank God for the opportunity to be, uh, to be with you this morning. Um, as you just saw in this video, one act, just one act, in their case, by a teenager, somebody whose name was Ashley or Heather, changed the course of their lives. And when I think about my story, my life story, there's a story in the Bible that I really relate to. It's the story of the Good Samaritan, the parable of the Good Samaritan. If you have your Bible, you'll find it in the book of Luke chapter 10, verses 25, all the way down to verse 37. In this passage, the passage starts out by telling us, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's a good question, isn't it? First of all, I mean it's interesting that this expert in the law decided to test God, to ask questions of God, and I don't blame him because sometimes I do the same thing. I ask God's question. Sometimes I turn and ask God, "Why me? Why must I do this?" Don't you guys don't ask God a question? Why must I? Why me? Why can't somebody else do this? Why do you want me to do this? And that's what this guy did. He asked God. I came to Christ and asked him a question. But it's a very important question. It's a question that a lot of people are asking themselves even today. Perhaps some of you sitting here this morning are asking that very same question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to go to heaven if I were to die today? If you are here and you're still asking that question, let me tell you that the answer to your question is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's to turn your life over to Christ because the Bible tells us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one will get to the Father except to Christ Jesus. And so this man came and asked Jesus this question. And sometimes when we go and ask God questions, he does the same thing. Instead of Jesus giving this man a straightforward answer, Jesus turned him back to the Bible because Jesus says, he asks the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And verse 26 tells us that Jesus turned, turned to him and, and asked him, what is written in the law? And sometimes I think when we go to God with questions, he points us right back to the Bible. And he asks us, what, do I, what have I said in my, in, my, in my Bible? What have I said in the, in the Bible? How do you read it? When was the last time you read your Bible anyway? I know sometimes I would love to for God to give me a straightforward answer. Go do this, go do that, go do the other, and then you're good. But that's not the way God works sometimes. And so this man was about to, f- to figure that out. And so the man answered Jesus, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And also love your neighbor as yourself. Notice how Jesus asked Notice what the man says, how to love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. How much do you love yourself? See, God knows how much we love ourselves. God knows that we tend to give ourselves the best that we can find, right? He didn't say, love your neighbor as you love your, your children. I know we love our children. He didn't say, love your neighbor as you love your wife. God knows that we love our wives. We some of us love our husbands. But he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And so this man, the Bible says, he wanted to justify himself because there was a crowd following Jesus who so he wanted to look good. And he turned around and asked Jesus another question. And says, said, so then who's my neighbor? That's a very important question. If God asks us to love our neighbor, it's important that we know who God is asking us to love. And Jesus, again, knowing the heart of this man, like he knows our hearts, he doesn't give him another straight answer. And in this time, he took him down to this parable. Jesus said, A man was going down, verse 30, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now that's an interesting situation to be in. You got, just got robbed, just got mugged, And you left on the side of the road, helpless, half dead. If you were in that situation, what would be going through your mind? I imagine that this man was laying on the side of the road thinking, God, please send somebody to help me. Please send somebody to rescue me because I can't do anything. I can't do anything to save myself right now. And the Bible continues. It says that a priest happened to be going down the same road. If I was in that situation and I heard a priest coming down, I would be excited because I know that there's no way that this priest is going to walk by and leave me on the side of the road stranded. But the priest, when he got to where the man was, he went to to the other side and kept on walking. And the Bible continues, and so too a Levite, when he came to the place where the man was, walked to the other side of the road and kept on walking. That's two people thisrish rich went by and completely ignored the fact that there was a man laying on the side of the road, half dead, and needed help. And when I read that, sometimes it makes me wonder, how many times do I do that? Perhaps it's not to a man who's on the side of the road and half dead and cannot help himself, but perhaps sometimes I do that to my neighbor who is in need. The person that on, that I find on the bus who's in need of help and I just ignored them and pretended that that didn't happen. And so, but thank God for a good Samaritan. Thank God for a good Samaritan who didn't do like the other two guys did. But the Bible tells us us that, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. In some versions, he said that the man had compassion on him. And what did he do? See, compassion will drive you to do things that some other people would not do. And because the man had compassion on him, he says, verse 34, He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring out oil and wine to soothe his wounds. Then he put the man on his own donkey. You know what that means? This man got off his donkey and decided, I'm going to walk the rest of the way. Whether it's one mile, five miles, I'm going to walk. I'm going to put this man on my own do- donkey Took him to the inn or to the next to the nearest hotel and took care of him. Now, if I was in that situation, I would have loved to be to have that man walk by and help me out because I couldn't help myself. The next day he took out two silver coins. In some versions, it says he took out two denarii. And in reading to, in Matthew, we know that one denari- denarii is actually. One day worth of wage. If you work for a whole day for that, uh, at that time as a day laborer, you get one denarii. And that was what you get for one day. And this man, the next day, took out two denarii, two days worth of his wage, and gave to the innkeeper and told him, take care of this man. Now, this man was a total stranger to the Good Samaritan. But he said, take care of this man. And when I come back, I'll pay whatever else it took you to take care of him. And then Jesus turned and looked at the expert in the law and said, then who is this man's neighbor? And now, remember, we're talking about an expert in the law, and he said, well, obviously, Jesus, come on, the man who took care of him, the man who helped him. And in Jesus, it's almost as if we can see Jesus talking to this man it's almost as if we can see jesus patting this guy on his back and he turned and told told him you want to know how to go to heaven you want to know what it takes to inherit eternal life go and do likewise can you say that with me go and do likewise let's try that again go and do likewise that's what jesus asked the man to do and in my life, I realized that every now and then, we all have a need for a good Samaritan to stop by and help us out. Whether it's financially, whether it's, it's spiritually, whether it's with something else that you're dealing with physically. Every now and then, we need somebody. We need a good Samaritan to come by and lift us up. To come by and help us to get to the next stage in our lives. And in my life, it was the case for this, whom I, uh, the person I, I, I came to uh, know of as my compassion sponsors. You see, I grew up in in Haiti. Um, most people who know about Haiti knows that Haiti is a poor country in the Caribbean. In fact, Haiti is known as one of the poorest country in the world, and it's very poor place. Now, there are people in Haiti that are living the good life, but it's a very minor. It's a minority group. It's a small group of people. And most people in Haiti struggle on a daily basis to find food to put on their table for their kids. And that's where I grew up. I remember growing up, my, um, my hardworking parents, there were a morning we wake up and there was nothing to eat. I know that my parents wanted to give us something to eat, but there was just nothing they could find to give us to eat because they just didn't have the money to buy food to feed us. There were times we wanted to go to church and it was just hard to find clothes to go to church because they just didn't have the money. There's one thing that when you grow up in poverty, there's one thing that you learn. It's that education is one of the most reliable vehicles that can pluck you out of the poverty into a better life. And so growing up in Haiti, um, my parents drilled it down into my head that you want to grow up, you want to be an educated person. You, wanted to, you, you don't want to spend the rest of your life in this poverty-stricken place. You want to be educated. And so it was normal that I grew up, I wanted to be an educated, educated person. I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be an engineer. I wanted to be somebody. I didn't want to spend the rest of my life living in poverty. But there's one problem. When I looked all over the little village that I was living in, there were plenty of kids my age, a little bit older than me, or a little bit younger than me, who were not going to school. The problem is not that they didn't want to go to school. Oh, no. They would have loved to go to school, but the problem is that their parents just didn't have the 10 or $15 U.S. it would have cost them back then to send them to school for the entire year. And so these kids were roaming the street and not being able to go to school. When I realized that as a 7-year-old, I was terrified. I was terrified at the fact that my parents may never have enough money to send me to school long enough for me to become that educated person that I wanted to be. I was terrified at the fact that I might end up spending the rest of my life living in poverty just because my parents cannot send me to school. Or I was heartbroken until one day. I remember that day as if it was yesterday. I remember the day that I went to school and a group of people came to our school and They pulled a group of us out of the classroom and they took us to the nearby church and they started putting down uh, names on the list. I was excited. I just know that my name was going on the list. I didn't know what that meant, but I knew that my name was going on the list. So I was hoping that something would happen. And then later on, they started taking pictures. I was more excited now because back then I didn't have the opportunity for my pictures to be taken. So taking a picture was a big event for me. So I was excited. My picture was going to be taken. So that's all I knew. And then a few weeks went by, and then my parents got the news that literally changed my life. My parents learned that somebody whom I came to know as the Lutheran ladies decided to sponsor me through compassion. I still didn't know what that meant. But as the the weeks and months went by, I realized that what was happening is that that person, the Lutheran ladies, somebody in the U.S. somewhere was paying for me to go to school. And all of a sudden... I didn't have to worry about my parents having enough money to send me to school. All of a sudden, all I had to do was do my homework, study hard, pay attention, and my dream of being an educated person was within reach. Oh, I was excited. I was ecstatic beyond, beyond words. I can tell you how much excited, how, how excited I was. Because you see, in Haiti, education is not free. If your parents don't have the money to pay for you at the end of the semester, you're going to go back home because you go to private school and then uh, your parents have to show at, at the end of the semester when it's time for you to take your exams, you have to show that you have paid for that semester. Otherwise, you get sent home. And if that means that your parents cannot come up with the money to pay for you for the rest of the year, that means you, 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 you spend that entire year sitting at home and you can't go back to school. I remember uh, the high school that I attended in Haiti was uh, on a fence property. You had to go through a gate to get to the, to the school. And I remember uh, every, no, at the end of every semester, I would come Monday morning and there would be hundreds of kids in front of the gate. They couldn't go in to take their exam. They were hoping that something would happen, that they would be able to go in and take the exam, but they couldn't. But I would come to that crowd, work my way. Through the crowd, I would get to the phone gate. I would tell the gatekeeper that I am a compassionate child. He would check on the list, find my name, and miraculously, that gate will open, and I'll walk on campus and take my exam. I can't tell you how important, how significant that was for me. And after high school, um, my sponsors actually started sponsoring me from the time I was seven all the way through high school. They literally changed my life. After high school, God uh, opened, up, uh, opened the door for my family to move to the States, and I got here. I, my, my, we moved to Miami, and um, uh, because of the foundation that Compassion had given me, I wanted to go immediately to uh, to university. And I wanted to to go to med school. But then I realized that I couldn't do that because I didn't have the sponsorship of Compassion anymore, and, and it would take a lot of money for me to be able to, to attend uh, the university. And then also, I later realized that, God actually had some other plans for me. You know how sometimes you have your, your life planned out? I want to do this. I am going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then find out that God has another plan. That was my case. After being in Miami for about a year, God actually rerouted my plan and he sent me to the military. I went to the Air Force and I spent four years in the Air Force. And while in the Air Force, I was literally, it was as if God was walking with me every step of the way. He was preparing me for what was was to come. After the Air Force, I went back to Miami uh, where my parents were living I attended the University of Miami. After three years of being in the University of Miami, uh, I was at the point where I was, I was graduating with a bachelor and a master in biomedical engineering. And all of a sudden, I started thinking back to where I grew up in Haiti. I remember that I was this very same kid who years earlier was afraid and terrified at the prospect that he may never be able to go to school long enough to become an educated person. And here I was graduating from a major world university with not only a bachelor, but a master in biomedical engineering. And all that ha- was happening because my sponsor, the Lutheran lady, decided to help me, to give me that foundation. And it was at that time that I started, I had learned enough English Um, And I started thinking about my sponsors, and I started thinking, wait wait a minute, Lutheran ladies. Ladies, that's a plural word, right? That can't be one person. And then when I reach out to Compassion, that's when I find out that I had this this whole thing wrong the whole time. It was actually not one person. It was actually five women from a Lutheran church in the U.S. who decided to put their money together and literally change my life. How much can God do in your life? How much can God do through you? Five women changed my life. It was around the same time that I started going back to Haiti on mission trips. And then uh, I started going every year. And then I, um, as I was going there and interacting with the young people there, kind of reliving the life that I had left behind years earlier. And God started impressing on my life that, I want more from you. I have blessed you. I want more from you. And I I realized, God, I mean, you you have tremendously blessed me. Looking at where I was a few years earlier and where I am today, I mean, you have really blessed me. What do you want me to do? And then through prayer, by then I I had gotten married. My wife and I, we started praying, and um, we realized that God was actually calling us to go back to Haiti, to a small village that I was familiar with and to help some kids out. I remember I went back to Haiti in 2009 just to survey the area because I knew the area. I knew the the poverty that was in the area. See, poverty is the kind of thing that uh, you can watch it on TV. You can watch something like this video that you just watched. uh, You can hear about it. But unless you experience it, you just don't know what it means to be poor. It's like sitting next to someone, and they're telling you, I am hungry. But if you've never been hungry yourself, you just don't know what they're talking about. And so I went back and I realized that that place was getting even worse than when I left it. There were kids all over the place not going to school, kids all over the place walking around. Their belly extended this, this big. And you know that was not right. You know they were sick. And then I came back and I told my wife, this is what I saw. And we, we, we prayed some more and then we realized that God was asking us to do something with education. It was obvious because that, that's what God had used to pull me out of uh, poverty. And then we emptied out our, our saving, and we went back there. We, uh, we found a piece of land. We uh, bought that piece of land, and we started building a school. And God started bringing people to help us. We had people who would go down on mission trips and help us build the school. We built a four-room uh, four building. That's what we could afford. We built a four-room building and, and when we uh, when we did that we, we decided well we'll start with kindergarten through second grade and since it's a new school we're thinking we'll probably have maybe about 100 kids. I remember going down to Haiti in September 2012 to put the roof on the, on the building because school was about to open in October and then I got there there were kids after kids coming to me um, Mr. Jean, we, I'm in third grade, I'm in fourth grade, I'm in fifth grade. You guys stop in second grade. My parents cannot send me to school. What can you do for us? And I was telling them, we can't do anything. We have four rooms. One room is for administrative office and we, that leaves, leaves us with three classrooms. There's not much we can do. But by Thursday, I was there for the whole week. By Thursday there were so many parents and kids. I was like, okay, we have to do something. I contact, contacted my uncle who was uh, helping me with the project and asked him, what can I do? He said, well, the only thing we can do is have a morning session and an afternoon session. That way we can use the building in the morning for some grades and in the afternoon for the other grades. I'm like, okay, well, let's do it then. I don't know where the money is going to come from, but I believe that God sent me here. I believe that he's going to provide. And so we decided, okay, we're going to do, instead of kindergarten to uh, second grade, we're going to go all the way through fifth grade. So we did did that. And then I remember going down uh, October 1st to open the school. The first day we had 67 kids. I'm like, great. 67 the first day, we're shooting for 100. We should be good. The only problem is that by Friday uh, that week, when I called back in Haiti, I had come back come back here. When I called back in Haiti, they told me that we had 197 kids. I'm like, all of a sudden, we just outgrown the building that we just built. And all of a sudden, we have a big problem on our hands. But it was not a, a bad problem because we were actually having the opportunity to bless kids many of whom would not have been able to go to school. And so through that, that, that project, God has blessed us over the past few years. Now, uh, instead of a, a, a four-room building, now we have a 10-room building that we, we have uh, been building over the past three years. And today, because of what these Lutheran ladies did for me, today over 250 kids have the opportunity to go to school in Haiti free of charge, just like Compassion did for me, only because five women in a Lutheran church maybe heard of a presentation just like I'm doing today, and they decided to put their money together and invest in my life. And today, through their investment, over 250 kids are benefiting from it. How much can God do with what you have? You see... When I think about it, I think of, I think of it this way. Maybe um, these five women were sitting in the, in the church on a Sunday morning like this, and maybe Julie was sitting over here, and she heard the presentation, and she felt God move in her heart, and she said, Man, I want to do something, but I only have $10. You need $38 a month to, to change your life, but I only have $10. What can I do? And she looked back, and she saw Maria sitting behind her, and she said, Maria, I want to do something. I feel God called me to do something. I only have $10. And Maria said, well, I feel the same way, but I have $5. She said, okay, well, that's $15. We're almost halfway there. And then just like that, they found three other women who were willing to give up a bottle of water a day or a couple of uh, cups of uh, Starbucks coffee every month. And just like that, they put their money together and literally changed the cost of my life. They are my good Samaritan. They came at a moment where I couldn't do anything for myself. They rescued me. They invested in my life. And today, through their investment, a whole town in Haiti is being blessed by it. How would you like to invest a dollar today and get $200,000 20 years from now? Wouldn't that be a great investment? And so this man came to Jesus and told him and asked him this question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus told him, you want to know how to go to heaven? Go and do just like this good Samaritan did. And I think today that God might be asking us to do the same thing. Perhaps it's someone in your neighborhood. Perhaps it's someone uh, down the street from you. Perhaps it's someone in your church. Who needs help? God is asking us to be a good Samaritan from, for somebody else. In, in the back table, right back there, uh, behind in the back of the sanctuary, there's a bunch of kids, probably close to 300, 300 of them, who are living in the same situation that you just saw on that video. The same situation, probably even worse, that I just described to you. It takes someone like me, it takes someone like you, To make a decision i'm going to partner with christ through compassion and change your life and when you do that at the very least you're going to change one life but who knows who knows maybe through that investment god will raise somebody like me that he's going to use later on to change maybe 200 500 and maybe thousands of lives today my school is blessing 250. Next year we might be at 300, and if one, if if 10% of these kids go back out when they are adult and do the same thing, can you imagine how many lives will be changed just through the investment that my uh, sponsors made in my life? I call it the gift that keeps on giving. That's really what it is. And today I believe that. God is calling us to do the same thing. I know that many of you in this church have already sponsored children and I thank you for doing that. On behalf of all these lives that you are changing, I thank you for doing that because you are literally rescuing them from poverty. One of the things I like like about this video is the point where it says that as poverty engulfs the place, the enemy, the devil, takes over. And when you come in, we represent a, a... Concrete manifestation of the love of Christ for these kids. When they learn that somebody who doesn't know them, somebody who doesn't, doesn't have to care about them, decides to pay for them to go to school. Not only for them to get an education, but also to be exposed to the gospel. Also to be exposed to the word of God that can change their, the course of their, their eternal destination. That tells them a lot. For some of these kids, you might be the only person that, that ever tell them that God loves you. You might be the only person that ever tells them that you mean something. you worth something because God created you. Today you have the opportunity to do that. And I pray that as Jesus asked this man to do, that you too will partner with compassion and you too will go and do likewise. May God bless you.
3: Thank you. Really quickly, there's a, there's a couple questions. Um, I, I hope that you guys are stirred in your heart to do something. Um, I went on two trips now with Compassion to the Philippines and to Colombia. And um, the, the, the biggest thing that impacted me was the transparency and the integrity of the organization. Like I told you there's a lot of people that hit us up for money and want your church to be a part of something. I believe in this one with all my heart. I've seen it from the ground level, from the kids to the volunteers to the workers to the offices in the different countries where they say, you want to look at our finances? Here they all are. Just absolute transparency. Over 80 cents on the dollar that you give goes directly to meeting the needs of that kid. And less than 20% is going to the administration and all that. And the majority of the people that work in Compassion are doing it out of the kindness of their own heart. They don't even take money. They're just volunteering in these churches to bless these kids. So first of all, that's pretty incredible. But here's, here's what the commitment is. Um, it's $38 a month to sponsor a child. Um, that's, that's what it costs to give them, um, education. They go to the, the churches. The only way that compassion works is through local churches. So you wonder like, are they even going to get Jesus? It's absolutely nothing happens in compassion outside of the local church. It all goes through local churches and leadership and, and people in the church loving the kids. Um, $38 $38 will get them, gets them some some meals, several meals a week, I think. They come in there, they get an education, that pays for their schooling, um, they get medical attention, their family. I mean, it's it's holistic healing and taking care of the whole family. The length of the plan, how long is the commitment? $38 a month, how long do I have to do that? Well, basically, it carries you all the way through high school. Um and if for any reason you can't carry it, say you, you get a kid that's six years old and you're going $38 a month all the way through high school, what if I lose my job? What if something happens and I can't do it? You don't have to worry, like, if I stop making payments, that kid's just going to go back to the streets. Compassion ensures that that kid, if you can't continue to make the payments, they're not going to judge you and make fun of you or any of that stuff. They won't be mad. They'll make sure that that kid gets sponsored by someone else and they stay in the system. So, um, it's really a good deal. I'm just trying to go through questions really quick for lack of time. Um, uh, John, a question that people might have is: Can I pick my own child? Do I have to take one that they have back there, or can I find another kid I have a heart for another country, or a kid certain age, or the same birth date as mine, or same name as my child's? My child is. Yes can they do that?
2: Absolutely. Uh, Compassion has a very great website. You can go to the Compassion website, and there are usually a lot of kids that are still in the system waiting to be sponsored, so you can select any of these kids, um, and then uh, Compassion will send you the information, and you you can change their lives. That's really
3: cool because, like, with my family, we picked three kids that were the same ages as my kids so that they could each write to them and draw pictures, and it's just kind of like a shared experience. So that was a really good deal. Um, The other thing is we sponsor heavily. majority of our our kids that we sponsor, over 1,100 of them, are from the Philippines. A lot of us have done the Philippines. The reason for that is we're trying as a church to like own a community, to impact one community. Not that I don't appreciate all the sponsorship all around the world, but we're trying to make a difference and an impact in one community. The other thing is this, if you sponsor through our, our church, through that same uh, community, we actually send out, Pastor Tom oversees it, a mission team every year from our church where you would get the opportunity to actually go visit the kids that you actually sponsor. They say, I think less than 10% of, of the kids that are sponsored ever get to meet their sponsors. They may go from kindergarten all the way through high school, receiving your letters and your money and the love, but never get to meet you face to face because it's just impractical for people in the U.S. to travel to all these third world countries and stuff. But in this church, we've tried to make it available so that if you sponsor a kid from the Philippines, we take a trip to the Philippines every year. And even through Compassion, if you ever want to save the money and go visit your kids, they can arrange for that to happen too. Um, That's really neat. Um, I'm trying to think what other things um, we might have. is, um, Would it be okay, John? I, I'm going to ask you this one. Could someone say, you know what, I already sponsor a kid, or maybe I don't know if I can make that commitment every month. Could I just donate money to Compassion International? Is that an option?
2: Yes, it is an option. Um, the, the best way to really impact a, a life is to, to that commitment. But if you're not able to do that, uh, Compassion has that general fund mm-hmm. where if someone starts sponsoring a child, and they lose their job and they can't continue to sponsor that child, that general fund is used to to continue to pay for this kid to go to school until they find a new sponsor. So that money goes to that general fund, and it really helps uh, keep these kids uh, off the street and really continue to invest in their future.
3: That's good. That's good. Thank you. Just the different options. Um, something I want to ask you to consider is what happened with John in his life was uh, – the group of five Lutheran ladies right from a Lutheran church somewhere in the U.S. is maybe think about this. I know Pastor Nick is already saying this with the youth group, that they're going to sponsor one or two kids as a youth group together, and they're just going to be taking like a special donation every week just to sponsor a couple kids as a youth group as a whole. But maybe an option for some of us in here is our connect groups could sponsor kids as as a group effort. Or you and a couple other families or friends, if you're going, I don't know if I can pull $38 a month, you can, Do it together as a connect group or get a couple friends together. There's lots of ways. Here's the bottom line is, guys, this is an opportunity. It's not the only opportunity. It's not the best opportunity. There's a lot around this world, but it's the story of the Good Samaritan. Is that Jesus calls us to do something. We've been blessed, and now we want to bless other people. We want to give back. So I'm not saying this is the only way. I'm not trying to guilt you into anything. All I know is I checked this one out myself and this is one that I personally invest in in my family, and we sponsor several kids. And I've seen it work, and I know the integrity. And um, I, here, here's living proof of a child's life that's been changed through uh, Compassion International. So I'm just asking for that. So here's what we're going to do. Thank you, John. Thank you. Can you guys thank John for his time? Thank you, sir. Really quickly, because I I know we're we're a little bit pressed for time here, but we've put some of the packets on the seats interspersed throughout um, the auditorium right now. And I would just ask if you're near one, would you just hold it up right now? We're going to pray for these kids. And I'm going to actually pray uh, for God to maybe move on our hearts for us to consider right now if we would like to make any type of commitment to this. And I know a lot of you guys already do. And thank you so much. Compassion thanks me all the time because they can't believe that a church our size Sponsors over a 1,000 kids, 1,100 kids. It's incredible. But we're going to pray for these kids regardless. If they don't get sponsored in this service, they are going to get prayed for right now. So can we just hold up those packets? If there's one around you, just hold it up. God, in Jesus' name right now, we just ask that you would, in whatever way you, you could do it, Lord, through people in this service or the next services or maybe these packets get carried to another church. But these kids that are in need right now, Lord, I've seen them with my own eyes. I sponsor some myself, Lord. I see the amount of good that compassion can do in investing in these kids' lives and sponsoring them. So we pray right now first and foremost, Lord, that you would just provide for these children that we have in our hands right here and in, in our church, Lord. Uh, we pray that you would bring in sponsors, Lord, that they would, through compassion, I know it's it's compassion's goal first and foremost to introduce them to Jesus Christ. Because that changes their eternity, not just their temporary. And we know that through compassion that there is one child that meets Jesus Christ every four minutes in this world, and that's incredible. And I just pray, Lord, first and foremost, that these kids would know Jesus, that it would affect their families. Lord, but in spite of that, Lord, also the, the sponsorship that it entails, the money provided for education, for medical treatment, for food, for just all of their, their needs to be met, Lord. I pray that these kids would be blessed. And Lord, I pray right now that you'd move on our hearts, whatever you're calling us to do, whether we don't sponsor a kid and maybe today we're going, I need to do something. I could afford that. I'm going to do that. Maybe you already sponsor one or two and you want to do another one. Maybe you're just going, I-, I don't know if I can do this right now, but God, but from what I hear today, I'm moved to go meet some other needs in my life and in my family, maybe, and in my coworkers. And I'm not going to ignore that person in need that I see every single day, Lord, however you want to move on your heart, we just ask that you would convict us and, and push us to be to look like you. We're called Christians, and we want to look like you. We want to influence this world around us. So Lord, right now, we just lift up these prayers, and we thank you for for John and his heart to share with us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.